Hello everyone, this is a Bridges of Meaning Discord conversation. I'm Job and today my guest is Jeremy Firth. Hey Jeremy, what brings you to the Discord? Well, uh, I had a conversation on the phone with Paul uh, a few months ago and then he and I talked on his channel. Um, there was a, He posted the video of our conversation that we had where I was kind of following up with him and letting him know that I was uh, that I was doing a lot better. And and then I thought I would reach out to kind of a community of people who are going through some maybe similar uh, life changes that I'm going through for maybe some sanity and support kind of reasons to just, it's nice to be around people who maybe were on the outside and are ready to, or at least looking back in and maybe willing to come back into into Christianity or come to Christianity for the first time. So, right, yeah, because you've had a bit of a journey. I saw. How have you found the Discord <laughs> so far? It's good. Um, it's not. It, it's. Uh, I probably haven't been as active, although I've been working from home, so I've been reading a lot. I've been kind of passively ingesting, and I haven't been involved um, in many conversations. But, but it, it seems like a pretty welcoming place. Um, people have very varied backgrounds, which I think is really interesting. I always considered myself in the tribe of no tribe, right? Meaning, you know, I, I know there's other people like me, but I haven't ever found, usually when, when people like me start gathering together, uh, it doesn't last long before too many people come in and then we don't want to be a part of it anymore. So, mm. <laughs> and I think what's happening because of Jordan Peterson, a lot of people who are wired that way are all kind of finding each other through the internet and going, you know, it's a, a very wary, cautious approach to one another. But then as we come together, it's like, Hey, you're, you're kind of weird. Like I am, this is cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been good that way. It's been good to find, you know, a group of people who maybe look at the world with a different set of questions than most people have. Right. Yeah. This place seems to select for a certain amount of openness, at least. Otherwise. Yes. Otherwise, it's just yeah, not going to be a dialogue. Right. I would agree with that. Um, and and then and the. Uh, there's an inquisitiveness that goes with openness, you know, because um, to me, openness always implied kind of a passivity. And I don't and I, I think that the people who are in the discord don't have a passive openness. It's like an active openness. Mm. And and that's what brings them to the community. You know, the I mean, that, I, I think Paul's the best example of that. You know, he's he's actively sharing what he believes and at the same time actively welcoming a discussion with people who don't believe the same as he believes. Yeah. You know, and that's just, it's just rare. It's rare to find somebody as high on the openness scale as I am, who isn't, uh, well, let's put it this way. Most people who are high in the openness scale usually like, are more leftist and live in urban areas. And I'm neither of those things. So I don't, it's rare to find someone who's high in openness and high in conscientiousness, you know, and just to use big five, mm -hmm. uh, 
kind of terminology, it's it's just rare, you know, because most people who are high in openness are really low in conscientiousness and high in neuroticism, you know. And so, and I just don't seem to jive with those kinds of people. Right. So it's it's fun to. I think Jordan Peterson started it because he's that that way too. He's high in openness and high in conscientiousness, and that's just such a rare blend that I think people who are wired that way are just drawn to him like a magnet. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. It probably also has to do with why you feel that you have trouble finding tribes that you are comfortable in. Yeah, I well, it's, yeah, because pe most people who are high in conscientiousness are generally very low in openness. I live in a state, I live in Utah, mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of Mormons live here, and, and that's the definition of this, the personality of this state is <laughs> high in, high in uh, conscientiousness, low in openness. And that's just the normal blend, you know? So it's fun to run into somebody who's high in conscientiousness and high in openness. Um, would you say that you would fall into that community, into that kind of demographic, or am I just kind of projecting? Uh, I, I, whew, that's hard to tell. Could be. I don't know. I mean, I've been here for two years, so... <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah, well, you kind of strike me. I mean, you've taken on this project of doing these podcasts, and and you've been traveling with Paul. You strike me as one who's, you know, if you were low in conscientiousness, you'd still be living at home. So I, oh, <laughs> you sure. strike me as sure. as at least above average. Well, who knows? Uh, but to, to to go back to Paul, I mean, yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, all the conversations he has had with the variety of people that he's spoken to. You know, a number of those times you could have just, I don't know, shut them off 10 minutes in, but he doesn't. He just listens and asks questions, and that's why it works so well, I think. Yeah, he is an active listener, and that's what I really like about him. You know, I like, that's why I like listening to his videos, because he, he does a really good job of uh, reflecting what the person is saying and, and really kind of getting them to open up more. It's, mm. it's really enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, is there anything in what, particular? What, you, what brought? Well, what brought you here? What brought you to this community? I mean, how did it? How did it start for you? Well, uh, I, I was kind of a, a part of a small group of people uh, led by Joey. That uh, Joey came with the idea of, "Hey, we've seen this community form." in Paul's YouTube comments, like same people would keep coming back mm. and we would have our own discussions in the YouTube comments. And there were some people mm. here and there uh, having direct message conversations on Twitter, but that was it. Um, and so Joey had this idea of, hey, uh, why don't I set up a, a Discord server or a Slack or a forum or some community where we can retain these conversations and draw more people in? And so this was this thing was an experiment. And to be honest, I wasn't even there from the beginning. I, I, I had my doubts about it. I wasn't so sure. And I wasn't too comfortable with my religious experiments yet. And at some point I showed up and uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> really left. So I, I couldn't do without the place. That's now. interesting. Really? It, it seems to be really taking off. I mean, there's a lot of activity. It's the it's 
it's pretty it's been pretty enjoyable to get introduced to the community right when i um started working from home you know mm. because of the whole uh the whole coronavirus situation so it's been nice to have kind of a place to keep open on the side that i can just kind of track as i'm working right yeah it's great for that and there's always something going on there's somebody posts a new link and i mean this place kind of evolved over time uh, there are some members from the beginning that are still here now but there are a good amount that just showed up stayed for a couple of days and then left again and uh that that's just how this goes like this week we maybe we had a good 10 new members and i think that's because of some new video poll made i'm not sure why because i can't always tell but uh mm. when we started we didn't have the voice channels we have now we didn't have the the book channel or the music channel and we're actually we've been having some administrator conversations on well given how we see the community form itself now what are some ways we we could some methods we could use to maybe optimize a few things so yeah this place is always changing i, I think that's another part of that openness that we're willing to try new things mm, yeah yeah well i think that's what that's what i see with john verveke that's what i saw with jordan peterson that's what i see with uh with um paul it is this native openness um, and, and a willing, it's like a pragmatism, you know, where they're willing to do what works and they're willing to follow what works regardless of whether they think it should work. Mm. <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, I think I've seen that with Jordan Peterson's website with ThinkSpot, you know, it's like, they're just throwing a bunch of ideas out there and kind of seeing what, what takes, you know, and, and that's a, it's a refreshing approach. It's 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 nice to be part of something that's kind of bottom up driven rather than a top down hierarchy. You know, that's I think that's the appeal for people who either had an experience with religion or have never had an experience with religion. Is that mm -hmm. this is kind of an introduction to a religious community, but it's a bottom up organized community. It's not one that's top down driven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what's interesting to it about me, for, or interesting about it for me. Right, and and there's a number of different denominations here, different religions. There's still some atheists here, although they, they sometimes convert, so we do run low on them. Uh, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in that sense, I, I heard some of that in your own story, where you're saying, well, you were raised Mormon, then you... you due to your openness and inquisitiveness you uh, played with atheism you uh, tried scientology you uh, worked with taoism uh, mm -hmm. i mean you you look at some something you see what works and you go from there yeah that's true it's it's a uh, i always had an underlying kind of motto of my life's purpose or my life's motto was always to just make the campsite better than it was when I got there. But I never, I didn't always know what that meant. I mm. always, I didn't always know how to manifest that in the world in a way that other people would notice. And I think that's why I was trying to explore the other, you know, other paths that I've been on. I mean, I was handed one as a child, as a, you know, and grew up Mormon. 
And then I got to a point where I just felt like it felt like a boat that had carried me across a river, but that I had started climbing a mountain and I was still carrying a boat, you know? And so I just kind of chucked it off to the side and was like, wow, so much easier to walk without that boat. Yeah, I'm sure. You know? But, uh, you know, and, and I kind of climbed the, the mountain of atheism and into the rarefied air of some very intelligent, very capable people. And then, and then I heard Jordan Pearson talking about the Bible and it just completely like blew my mind that there could be a mature, intelligent, uh, respectful conversation around the Bible from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. And it really just blew my mind. And, and because of that, and then some other things that have happened in my life, you know, in the last two or three years, it's like I came back to the river and I was like, Hey, where's that boat that I, <laughs> you know, it's like I get, I came back down off the mountain and I was confronted by another huge river that I needed to cross. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Jordan Peterson was the one who was like, Hey, look, that, that boat you were carrying is actually pretty good. And it's not just a boat. It's got wheels and it's got a motor and it's, <laughs> It's got wings and, you know, it's just like, it's an all around thing. It's actually pretty cool if you look at it. And, and that just, you know, between him and and Jonathan Pajot, my mind was completely switched around um, on how, how much shortcomings, how many shortcomings science has and how it's great if you know what your goal is. But it has nothing to say about what your goal should be. No, it shouldn't. Right. It shouldn't. Exactly. It should be pure and stay pure. And pure science just tells it's just a toolbox to help you get where you want to go once you know. And I was trying to see it as, you know, I was I was taking the Sam Harris. I was reading way too much Sam Harris at the time. And not questioning what he was saying. Hmm. As so, far as being able to have like a scientific based morality, you know, I was, I was buying that. And then Jonathan Pajot kind of showed me how foolish that, that could be. And what, what did you think of the Vancouver dialogues between JP and Sam Harris? Oh, it was like, I, I told my wife, it was like hearing two sides of my brain. <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was the most one of the most therapeutic experiences I've ever had to hear Jordan Peterson be able to articulate the case for religion and have one of the greatest minds in science and the intellectual kind of new atheism there just looking just dumbfounded, unable to respond, unable to articulate articulate a coherent argument against it. And, and it really helped kind of chip away at the resistance I had in my own mind, you know, that I had built up over the years of being an atheist. Mm. Yeah. Cause... Know, hearing, hearing Jordan lay out why our brains work the way they do. And, you know, like his first, his first talk, the biblical series before he even got to Genesis and then the Genesis one, series i've listened to him probably 20 times because it shows you how your brain works and once you understand that's how the world arranges itself it's like religion just becomes a 
it becomes obvious. It becomes patently obvious that that's how the universe operates. And the Bible is just like explaining it once you understand its patterns and once you understand its language. It's very plain and clear. And it works. <laughs> and you would think from the scientific perspective and that psychological perspective, there, should, there would be more goodwill towards what Peterson says because he explains it from a rational point of view. But yeah, apparently not. Well, I, I would have to say, though, just, you know, probably in the last oh, 10 years of my professional life, I really got introduced to the idea that some smart people... There are two kinds of smart people. There's smart people who I would consider smart because they are constantly wrong and they're fine with it. Like they're always failing or they're confronting their the truth and seeing if it's true or not. And and, and they're they know how to deal with cognitive dissonance. They've made peace with cognitive dissonance. You know, and then there's another kind of smart person though where They've had their environment tell them that they're smart their whole lives. They went to college. They got straight A's. They went into a corporate environment. They did well. They've succeeded. They've gotten to be, you know, high, high success, high echelon levels of achievement because they've never confronted cognitive dissonance. And they're very uncomfortable with it and have no idea how to deal with it. And, and I think a lot of science falls into that category of people who are not comfortable with cognitive dissonance. You know, that's, it's kind of the difference I see between scientists and computer programmers. Computer programmers are constantly having to change their paradigm because your first approach and your 10th approach and your 50th you know, or maybe you're, I'm exaggerating, but your 10th approach is usually the one that starts kind of working. And so you're used to being wrong a lot. So, and that's kind of the field I work in. I work in IT. When I'm around science or math people, they're not used to being wrong because so much, so much rides on them being right. You know, they put way too much pressure on themselves and on, and they can't be wrong. And, and I think that's, that's probably a difference in openness, right? That's where the openness comes into play is that the openness people you know, you, you have to, you have to follow that trail wherever it leads and you have to be able to let go of whatever you were carrying if it doesn't make sense anymore. And a lot of smart people, well, a lot of people in general just are really uncomfortable with that. They just can't do it. Well, it, it's, it's what you said in your video with Paul, that there's a certain amount of pride involved. And as, mm -hmm. as computer programmers, we know that any model we build is as best a vague approximation of what we're really trying to achieve. <laughs> yes, that's a really good way of putting it. And then we try to write proper tests and then we don't write enough, so we fail some edge cases and it's still broken. But hey, it works yes. well enough. So <laughs> Yeah, and then you just add another if statement for a, uh, <laughs> for an edge case and you can never capture all of them because yeah. uh, reality is creative. <laughs> data data sets will always give you something you weren't expecting yeah. always life uh, finds a way <laughs> yeah exactly well you know anomalies that's uh, jordan peterson wrote a whole book about it you know maps of meaning is just all about anomaly and that's what it is you can't can't you just that's where 
the hubris comes in too of trying to account for everything. You know, Jordan, uh, Jonathan Pajot really opened my mind to that idea of the whole 666 being trying to account for everything and how it's folly. It's just foolish. And, and the more I work in the IT field, the more I realize that, yeah, you can't, if you're not actively maintaining a program, it will die. It becomes irrelevant and it will break and it will not be salvageable if you're not actively keeping it alive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a garden. And it, and it's, it has to be that way because of reality, because you can't account for everything. You just can't. Because even if you do, something's going to change. Yeah, no, yeah, I fully agree. Uh, I I want to switch gears a bit, uh, and if you're uncomfortable sure. with this this line of conversation, and just let me know. But in your conversation with Paul, um, you said that um, your younger brother, who used to look up to you, was now like, "Hey, man, what's going on with you?" Because we used to be, you know, you and me, we used to be atheist brothers, and I've had a very similar experience. Uh, excuse me. And um, your own daughter asked you, hey, dad, uh, yeah, well, what's, what's this about? Because you, you raised me to think that, that, you know, religion was bunk. How, how's that going? It's, uh, it's, it's interesting because the further down the road I develop, the more, I think, comfortable they get with it and the more they respect the change you know because when you start trying to when you start really studying and paying attention and actually trying to change yourself to fit what you're reading which is what i've you know i've i've been trying to do that with religion is i'm honestly reevaluating my beliefs and going wow i need to let go of that and do more of that it seems to have a change that people who are close to me in my life are respectful toward and and they seem to be i mean they're they're growing more supportive of it and and less skeptical or threatened by it you know i mean and it's natural for them to be skeptical of the change on mm -hmm. my part because you know, I mean, I've been through a lot of changes. You, you heard, you've heard just a little of my history as far as my philosophical meanderings, and it's natural for them to be like, you know, to be like, "Come on, are you for real?" You know, that would be a, that's a that's a good response for them to have, and and I think that now that I've been walking slowly down that path for a while now, they're much more mm, supportive and kind of circumspect about the change it's been nice it's been very surprising honestly because i was expecting to get more shit mm. <laughs> from from people around me and and everyone's just like hey man awesome that's great you know even oh, my yeah. family who's like my family who's lds you know they're mormon and, and I tell them, you know, I, I am getting back into religion, but it's I've been very interested in the Orthodox Church. They just go, you know, instead of the trying to convert me or whatever, they just go, oh, well, what do you find interesting about it? You know, what what's drawing you to it? Why why are you going there? What Like, what do you enjoy about it? And it's just, they've been really supportive, and it's been really, um, it's been a very healing experience because I think I had 
I had put myself into exile. Mm. And and they never made me feel that I they've never made me feel rejected. I always just thought that I should be rejected, so I kind of withheld myself, you know, and now that I'm opening back up and kind of sharing my journey, everyone has just been really supportive of it. Everyone's been really, you know, like even my brother who is still, you know, a nihilist and a skeptic says, you know, I don't understand, but I can see that you feel better. I can see that you aren't depressed anymore. I can see that you are finding joy in your life. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, that's beautiful, man. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm very fortunate. I, I, my family, we're enough of ruffians and we're enough. All of us are kind of eccentric to the point where we love each other for being eccentric. And, and this is probably just another manifestation of that to them. You know, they just go, Oh yeah, my brother, he used to be an atheist. Now he's a religious guy. It's Mm. fine. They just don't, it's like, it's, it's just, it fits the story. It fits the pattern, you know? And what was your wife's background? Because she mentioned you now pray together. Yeah, she um, she grew up Mormon as well, but only she was the only one in her family who was Mormon. Her dad is kind of anti-religious, and her mom is is uh, is a Baptist, I believe. And uh, so, but they weren't really strong religious people. Um, but she she had a friend who was a Mormon when she was a teenager. And, um, and they, uh, and she became active in the, in the Mormon church. And then we met, we were both Mormon, but we were both going through the transition at the same time when I was about 25. um, This is my second marriage. And, um, when we met, we were kind of going through the transition at the same time away from religion. And, you know, I kind of converted her out of it, Mm. uh, honestly. And, and now I'm, grateful and humbled to be able to play a little bit of a role of kind of reintroducing it into our lives. Wow. And uh, she otherwise doesn't come to church with you, right? Uh, She does generally. Yeah. She doesn't always, but most of the time she comes to church with me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she's as interested in going as far down the road as I am, at least not at this time, but she's very supportive. What do you find in church? What's that? What do you find in church? Yes. What do I find in church? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry, the first the first word cut off there. I didn't catch it. Um, you know, it's really interesting because orth- Orthodox service is so different than the church I grew up with in every way it's just so different and you go there and it really i'm i'm beginning to understand that you're putting yourself in a mindset to prepare yourself to partake of the creator of the universe who came and blew apart the hierarchy by filling every part of it mm and it is so humbling 
to be invited there for that ceremony of the best that man has to give, which is, you know, the best that man can do as far as making something complex, which is bread and wine. We offer that up and God does his part and it changes into something else. And we partake of that. It to me is like the, it's the, the pattern of life itself. The pattern of life is that, and, and to be able to be a part of it, with another with a group of people who are all looking in the same direction just seems to really have a healing power that I can't articulate yeah it, it's um it puts me in the right mindset that I need for the rest of the week of asking for grace and trying to stay open to correction you know trying to stay open to what god has to say to me through scripture or through conversations with other people or through just you know prayer and uh and church really helps remind me to try to stay in that mindset as much as i can yeah no i i get it man it it, it really yeah i don't even know how to describe it very well but it really places you more front front and center in existence than just kind of the the atheist slash secular worldview does i um i was yes, i was I in a meetup in uh in chino hills the one that john van dunk runs <clears throat> and uh there were there's one of the members there called spencer and uh, he has, he's recently become a Catholic. And uh, he he's going to go into the, the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And what, what he does, you can you can go to Mass every day. Like, I, I didn't even know. Like, uh, <laughs> I was raised in Protestantism. That's just alien to me. But he says, oh, yeah. And you, uh, you show up at, like, what was it, 6.30 or 7.30? They have morning Mass and you take the Eucharist. And then, boom! You know that's when your day begins. It, yeah, it's like working out first thing in the morning. You know, in a, in a secular sense, that hey, they can't take that away. You start your day right. You you've got the right frame of mind. Your 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 aim towards heaven, and that's that's the best start to have. Mm. Yeah, it is a really nice way to start the day. Yeah. I, I try to do it with my wife and I read scriptures on our way to work. We read the Bible or, or you know, and we say some prayers. Uh, we commute together to work. And and it really, it does serve a miniature version of that. You know, it's a, it is a really nice way to start the day and make sure you're in the right mindset and, and connected with, you know, connected with my wife. It's, it, it's, uh, it's easy to slip into the poor me mindset for me. And by having that time with her every day, we really avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we used to fall into. Oh, that's great. It's easier. Yeah, it, it helps a lot. It helps set the tone for the day, you know, and helps help us. It helps us both be more forgiving and, and more um, open to the moment, I think. 
Wow. I, I love to hear that. I mean, <clears throat> I, uh, I do tend to concern myself a lot with, you know, what am I doing and am I even doing it or just right? And should I be doing this? And, you know, should I be reading all these books about religion? <clears throat> so yeah. I, I ask my wife a lot, like, hey, you know, you're right with me doing all this and going to church all the time and talking to the pastor. And, and she reassures me she's all right. But when I left for California for the tour that we had to cut short, but when I left in the airplane, I... Uh, I unpacked my luggage when I arrived in John van Dank's house and she hid a letter in there saying, you know, hey, I'm so happy you're doing this and you're doing so much better and you motivate me to do better. And like, oh, man, <laughs> I must wow. have read that letter like five times. That was just, oh. uh, yeah. That's so moving. I mean, it is. It's really uh, the only word to use is magical. You know, it's really magical. The effect that... Um, genuinely making the decision to change your life and to try to realign with reality can have you know and I, I mean jordan peterson has the the cliche now of clean your room uh but it, it's it has a magical power that i am humbled by all the time you know because it it my whole life has changed in three years i'm mm. a, a different person and and it has everything to do with being reintroduced to the healing power of of god and of religion and and scripture and 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 community you know yeah. I, it's i had exiled myself not just from my family but from community in general and was really skeptical of that i i was very afraid of it i was very wary of it and i still have great respect for it it's why it's taken me a while to come back into religion is just because i have huge reservations about the power of groups of people you know it makes me really nervous <laughs> and i had to be really careful about finding a group that i felt like i could be a part of who I felt was heading in the same direction I wanted to head. And, and for me, that was, I, I find that at the Orthodox church, you know, my, my uh, priest is a really articulate, um, enjoyable, intelligent uh, conversationalist. And, and I just love talking with him and every conversation we have, he just opens my mind to new possibilities that underlie what I already understood, you know, and it's just, it's been really gratifying to find an organization, to find a community where I can be myself and connect and not, but not have to know everything to be welcomed there. You know, there's no, there's no credential checking and there's no, you know, I don't have to have a degree or anything. I just, I just, I'm a guy who reads a lot and I like to talk about what I read and, and I've found a place where the things I like to hear about and, and think about are the things that other people talk about there too. And it's, it's just uh, really special and it, it's very healing. You know, now all my family relationships are healing because of it. And my friendships are healing because of it. And my work relationship is improving with my coworkers and with my boss. And it's just because 
I kept staying open to correction mm. from my environment. Right. And I had closed myself off. You know, I was, I had hubris and pride uh, along with being an atheist that, that closed me off to being wrong and, and being reintroduced to religion, reopened the door to being wrong and being okay with it. You know, not tying my self-esteem to being right. Yeah. Yeah, like somebody would have said, hey, you know, what, what's with all these, these dust balls in your room? You'd be like, yeah, those, uh, I collect those. Those are fine. Like, maybe you should clean those yeah, up. Yeah, I like nah. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, I like it this way. I mean, I, I've literally said that to my wife over the years, you know. I, this is the way I prefer it. I have ADD. You don't understand. I like chaos. And mm. it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You feel comfortable with it. Like, I'm comfortable with chaos. I'm okay with it. But, man, I feel so much better when I clean my room, you know. Like, I don't, like, it doesn't bother me that the yard looks bad, but I sure feel better when I clean it up, you know. Yeah, because you've already realized that it looks bad, so you know it could be better. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and then and then that personal responsibility kicks in where you're like, well, I did notice it, so now... I probably should do something about it because it's it's in my reality. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It could be a challenge. Yeah. How long have you been going to the Orthodox Church now? Um, let's see. Uh, I started just after Christmas of last year, or I mean, just after. Yeah. Well, let's see. No, it was before Christmas. So I just started in the fall. Um. So now we're in the spring. So probably six months. Okay. So that means you're a catechumen. No, not yet. I haven't. I haven't kicked onto that path officially. I'm not an official catechumen yet. I've been. I've been talking to the priest about it, and I. I'm. We're waiting for church to get started again, and then I'm going to be officially announced as a catechumen. I bet your priest is just loving to see your journey. I tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. Well, we've become, it's been really fun because because I'm not a catechumen. He's technically not my spiritual father, like mm -hmm. on paper. So he feels uh, he feels a liberty to speak with me a little more freely about certain things, and he finds it refreshing as well. You know, so we've had a really great friendship that's evolved, and it's going to be interesting to see how it grows and in what direction it grows once he becomes my spiritual father as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you do have that intention. That's good. Yeah, I do. I do want to go down that road. I've decided that it just, it feels, it feels right. I, I can't deny it in my heart. You know, mm. my mind is, my brain is still like, well, you don't know this and you don't know that. Oh yeah. It's just like, yeah. it's fine. It's really, it's fine. You're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just act as if in the meantime, you know, it's, it's, it's what I did. Yeah, well, you know, I I I've become a lot more comfortable with mystery than I used to be. You know, when I was religious as a young man, I felt like I had to know everything mm -hmm. in my mind. I had to be able to answer all the questions that any, you know, I had to be like the ultimate apologist in order to be genuine. And now I feel just the opposite. It's like I have nothing to explain to anybody. I just I'm happy to explain myself, but I don't feel compelled. You know, it's like, and many things I don't know, and I don't have the answer for. I just 
go by what my heart is telling me and and I have to trust the results and the results in my life were phenomenal and I would be crazy to walk away from it yeah no I, I get it man that and that's that's what that's what matters I mean like if, if somebody would ask me so hey Job are you a Christian I'm like well it seems that way that like well how would you explain the slaughter of the Midianites like, I, I don't know. That's very complex. Would you, would you like to study it with me? Maybe we can figure it out. <laughs> that's the best yeah. I've got. That's, yeah, that's, and, and that's sometimes, that's all you can give. You know, that's all you have. Because I'm the same way. It's like, there's a lot of things that are in the scriptures that are still way over my head and I just don't understand. But I don't need to anymore. Because it's like, man, just reading the stories about, the life of Christ and reading, you know, the New Testament and the Old Testament. I get as much enjoyment out of reading the Old Testament as I do the New Testament. And just reading it sparks new questions in my mind. And I start looking up words. I have a dictionary from 1928, um, the Webster's Unabridged Dictionary from 1928. And I look up how words used to be used. And I there's a dictionary online from 18, it's Webster's Dictionary from 1830. And, uh, and I look up words and see if I understand how they're really being used. And it gets all these new things going on in my mind. And I still don't have answers, but at least uh, I have a lot more interesting questions now than I used to. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's really fun for me now is like I, I'm much more patient with the journey because I don't feel like it has to be a, a – it doesn't have to be a full-grown tree before I can um, – get baptized or take my first step you know i don't i don't feel like i have to know everything no you you went from pride to humility i mean that's what it sounds like well I, uh that's don't, very kind don't of get proud of that yeah. <laughs> yeah no i was just gonna say that's very kind of you to say but uh that my daily life constantly reminds me that i still have a lot of work to do on that regard hmm. so i'm trying though i i, I have a I have an honest intent to align with reality as best I can and to respond to the feedback that I get, you know, and that's to put it, that's to put it technically, to put it technically, that's what I'm trying to do. But that, that to me is what religion is. Religion is learning what reality is, how it works and how to align yourself to it and being given constant reminders on those things. And that, that's all I'm trying to do. You know, and I didn't see religion that way when I was a kid. That was, it was very different then, but that's how I see it now. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that changes as you grow older. I mean, yeah, my views on religion are, I, I couldn't compare them to how I see it now and how I look at churches now and how much I uh, enjoy walking by my own church. Like that is not, the atheist I used to be a couple of years ago, and that that still baffles me to to see those changes in me. At least it doesn't irritate me. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can relate. It doesn't irritate me, and now it's it's a part of myself that I've made peace with, and and it's a part of myself that reopened to mystery and surprise, and um, well, just that the mystery and surprise that I had kind of closed myself off to because I thought I could explain everything with science. And, yeah. you know, then I, I mean, honestly, 
before I ran into Jordan Peterson, I had started studying pretty, for me, advanced math with chaos theory and with complex systems. I was introduced to it just because of my line of work. Um, I work in custom fabrication, actually, at a custom fabrication shop and trying to explain the data and try to understand the data. I ran into the idea of you know chaos theory and complex mm-hmm. complex systems. And those forced me to humble myself and go, wow, you know what? Math can't explain everything either because a, a chaotic system and a complex system are inherently unpredictable. Yeah. And and science hates that. <laughs> the whole purpose <laughs> the whole purpose of science is to make a prediction and then test your prediction and then refine your prediction. Well, when you're dealing with chaotic systems and complex systems, that doesn't work. Right. Well, but- Shit. <laughs> yeah, but it also runs on the assumption that reality can be known and that there is a reality that we can observe. And I mean, that's that's fine for for yes. what it's trying to accomplish. But yes, everything else becomes basically that's that's what trust is, and that's that's the fear of God in the beginning of wisdom. That's okay. I'm just I think I'm in control, but I'm not, and I can't grasp yes. this at all. And then I get why Paul laughs at me when I say, "Yeah, I can't put my arms around God." Yeah, you can't. It's just this too much of God and too little of you. And yeah. Oh yeah, no, I know. Well, and and you know, you were kind of mentioning about that with you know, and I we both share that atheist background. What's funny though is that I said I didn't have faith, but I still put my garbage out on the street every Wednesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's funny how blind i was to those things right like i just had my own little narrow specific definition of what faith was and well i wasn't that stupid i didn't that's crazy town but i would still put my garbage out on the street on wednesdays you know i was still i was still uh um i don't know there was just so many things i would do preparing for the future and 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 prepare and, and expecting that other things would just happen the same as they always do and not thinking i was faithful you know that was just it's it's uh it's funny how blind i was to how religious i was even at my height of atheism you know so i i think i think we're i i i'll go a bit petersonian here <clears throat> Because, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. You know, you, it's Hebrews 11, assurance of trucks to come, basically, when you put the truck yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Nice. <laughs> the, you, you can find this online, but there was a researcher way back when. It, it must be old because I think the footage was in black and white. <clears throat> he, he had a bunch of pigeons. He did experiments on pigeons. And he had this these machines that would give uh, pigeons a bit of pigeon feed at random intervals. So this was unpredictable when the pigeons would get fed. And what he observed is that the pigeons very quickly became superstitious. They would remember what they had done shortly before the reward arrived or the food or the the good thing. And then they would repeat that and then it wouldn't work and they'd try to figure something else out. And yeah, it, you very quickly got superstitious pigs, uh, uh, pigeons. I'm like, well, if pigeons get yes. superstitious, imagine what we can do. 
Yeah, well, you know, I I worked in the professional poker industry for for uh, about seven years, and you'd be astonished at how superstitious most poker players are mm. for the same reason. <laughs> it's the randomness of cards, but they would. Yeah, it was crazy how how superstitious some of them were, and then there were many that weren't. You know, most of the high end, uh, most successful long term poker players were very rational and not superstitious at all because they had trained themselves out of it by keeping a journal huh. of their guesses, you know? And uh, that was an interesting eye-opener for me as well. Kind of along the way you're talking about. the uh, That's the Tlaib book, right? Uh, Fooled by Randomness. Have you read that? I haven't, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, he... He's written several books that I really like. The Black Swan, um, Feared by, uh, Fooled by Randomness is another one. Uh -huh. And he makes the same argument. Um, uh, there's a couple of other books. He's written five or six books. Uh, highly, highly recommend picking him up because he, he ties between my religious thinking. He ties between the religious thinking and the and the mathematical thinking that comes from my work you know from my line of work with complex systems and chaotic systems and he ties those together really well for me i really like him he would be really surprised to hear me say that i think <laughs> but uh but for me those two tie together really well it's the the idea that we can't account for everything and the fringes are where the magic happens mm. you know the 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 unknown the unexpected the unpredictable that's what that's what keeps things working that's what keeps systems strong you know that's what keeps them resilient and yeah. you need those oh anti-fragile that was another book you wrote oh right yeah yeah my, my older brother is a big fan and it's kind of interesting because i'm really into peterson is he's really into talib and so and, yeah. and talib doesn't like peterson at all so yeah yeah but they're not mutually exclusive it's just that they they talk past each other that's and the way i see it anyway. i think talib is orthodox as well right i believe that's the case yeah yeah yeah, yeah. hey um jeremy we got about 10 minutes is there anything okay. in particular you'd like to talk about while we have the time I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, well, I, I kind of, I've, I've talked a little bit, I talked a little bit about, about it with Paul. I've talked about it on the meaning code. I've talked about it on my own YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel with a total of two videos right now, but I'm working on several more. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the idea of balancing, like I, I fell into an idea when I was really young, about 20 years old of balancing the two great commandments and I'll, I'll be brief, but to me, I, I just kind of stumbled into a better way of explaining it today. Actually this morning I was kind of meditating on it and the two great commandments are love God and love your neighbor. Right. And what, what I learned and what I've realized and, and what I've just kind of stumbled into this morning was the idea that you have to balance those two, because if you start following one without the other, it leads to trespassing. It leads to sin. It leads to falling away. The falling away idea. And so, if you if you love, so if we define loving God as loving order or unity, harmony, and we define loving your 
loving mankind as kind of loving potential or loving chaos, loving the unknown, the unexpected, because that's what people throw at us. People throw at us the unexpected all the time. That's what we're, that's why we need to be, that's why we're social animals. We're constantly being kind of refining our, our prediction models from the feedback that comes from people around us, you know? So that's kind of the way I was defining, you know, loving God as loving and loving your fellow man is loving chaos or loving potential. And you have to walk in a balance of those two things because if you love God too much, or well, I'll start with loving fellow man too much. If you love chaos too much, that's kind of what we normally think of sins of commission where you start doing things that you shouldn't do and you don't want to be ruled and you, you love chaos. You don't want to be humble. You don't want to, you don't care and you just want to do what you want to do. You want to, you're driven by your passions basically. Mm -hmm. And that's easy to recognize as sin. But there's a in more insidious form of sin that comes the other way when you love God too much and don't love your fellow man. And that comes from loving order too much, and then you want the predictable. And that's the sin of trying to account for everything and trying to define everything. And and you, what happens is you become threatened by your fellow man because they're not predictable. Uh-huh. And then you start dividing and you start separating and you start seeing how they're a threat to you. And, and to me, Jesus was explaining the balancing of the two and how those two have to work together because if they get out of sync, if you go to, towards but not the other of those two great commandments, you're, you're opening yourself up to either trying to account for everything or trying to love, you know, just loving chaos too much and being a slave to your passions. And that true balance comes when you find harmony between order and chaos. You know, Peterson t says it well when he says you have to have one foot in order and one foot in chaos all the time and you feel a little unbalanced and that's right where you should be. You know, I think that's what John Verveke is talking about with the flow state as well, where you, you are unaware of time and you're fully engaged in what you're doing and you feel joy and that that is one foot in order one foot in chaos yeah 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 so love yeah. god love your neighbor yeah don't try to manipulate your neighbor into becoming what you think they should <clears throat> but you don't want to love them too much because well maybe they have an alcohol problem and right yeah. right yeah, it was like Jordan Peterson talked about with self-esteem, right? He's like, first of all, he said, I don't, I think self-esteem is a myth. He was saying this in one of his personality lectures. And he said, I think it's a myth. But he said, it might be a useful myth. But he said, but is it? He said, what they've found is that bullies don't, he said, there used to be this myth that bullies suffered from low self-esteem. He said, but research shows just the opposite. They suffer from too high of self-esteem. They think they're better than everyone else. Do we really want to encourage that? Is that the goal hmm. <laughs> for self-esteem? If you end up with so much of it that you think you're better than everyone else and then you mistreat them, you know? And, and he was kind of tearing apart the idea of self-esteem and it's the same idea where it's loving self or loving your fellow person. Yeah, it can lead you, you know, too much of it. It's too much of a good thing. You can have too much of a good thing. You can have too much of loving your fellow man. You can have too much of loving God. You know, they can lead you into dark places. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, man.
Yeah. Anyway, that's that's that would be my ten minute my ten minute I would share something interesting that I've been pondering my whole life. Yeah, I, I love hearing about your journey, man. It sounds like you're really doing well. You're on the right path. Uh, it's just it, it all sounds really good. That's I hope so. I feel good. I feel better. I feel more stable than I have in a long time. And uh, I feel more content and I feel peace in my heart. And I I have a lot of bad days and I have, a, I have good days, but um, there's a balance there too. I, yeah. I'm just trying to stay open. I'm trying to stay open to the moment and, and roll with the punches, you know? Gotcha. I, I think that's an excellent uh, line to end this one at and yeah, all right man. that sounds good i love talking to you joe you it's been time. a real pleasure yeah no i really appreciate your time sorry for the time miscommunication we had at the beginning but i just i want to thank you for the opportunity to share my heart with you and share my feelings with you and, and share my experiences it's been really enjoyable and i i'm i really value your work and and admire what you do and i just want to thank you for this chance oh you're very welcome Right, man. Have a great day. All right. All right. You too, Job. We'll Bye -bye. talk again soon. Yeah, we'll do. Bye. All right. See you.